Welcome to the Career Zone podcast, where each episode we spend some time focusing on something that's on students' minds right now. I'm your host, Rachel, employability and careers consultant with the University of Exeter. You can catch up on all of our episodes by doing all of those subscribing and following things. We're on Spotify and iTunes. So, Duncan, my first question what made you decide to pursue? a legal career in Germany as opposed to to in the UK? It was by semi-accident that I ended up in Germany, actually. I say semi because I learned German at secondary school, which was the reason why I wanted to do something to do with German at university. But I also liked the idea of studying law to have a practical degree because I also wanted something that would make it slightly easier to, uh, to get a job afterwards. And Back then, Exeter had the course, the, the the English and German law course, which included a year abroad in Germany. And I thought that was a, quite a nice way to combine both law and German. So I, I did that. And the year abroad in Germany, which I spent in Saarland, which is a, a, a small state in the south of, of Germany, really it introduced me to my to my current field, international arbitration, because I did a, the, the Vismut court out there, which is a, a large student mooting competition for international arbitration and the the final takes place in Vienna every year and it was a fantastic experience it it involved a written stage so mooting in the UK you just put on a robe stand before a make-believe judge and plead a make-believe case but this moot had a it had a written element as well which was which was very interesting to see that aspect and it had a, a the oral element where you um, you go around to different cities, different countries to do practice moots with different teams from all over the world. And that was quite exciting because it showed me how international that this field of law was. And the final took place in Vienna, which was a, a very nice week spent in Vienna, also meeting teams, meeting people from all over the world, meeting different lawyers from different law firms and um, who also worked in different cities all over the world. That's what really first introduced me to the idea that, okay, it's actually possible to be a lawyer outside of your home jurisdiction. So depending on what field you go into, you don't necessarily, it doesn't have to be London. Um, if, you, if, if you're working as an English qualified solicitor, you could also go to, to Paris or Geneva or Germany or, or Vienna um, or, or elsewhere. So when I returned to the UK, I had this idea in my head that, okay, this is a I had a very good time in Germany, especially doing this moot court. And if I want to be a lawyer at all, I want to get into this field somehow, into international arbitration. So that was a conscious decision then to try to find jobs or opportunities that would take me more into that direction. So like many of my peers at the time, I um, I tried my hardest to get a job in London to seek my fame and fortune in the in the big city. And and I succeeded. I moved up to London in the beginning of 2013 and worked for a few firms in the litigation departments. But I soon found out that whereas London is a fantastic city in many ways, and I met the most interesting people and got some really good work experience, I found that it was it's, it's incredibly difficult for young people to get ahead, especially in the legal profession, especially trying to get that elusive training contract, trying to get onto vacation schemes, or even just the just the cost of living. And so I thought maybe there's something else I can do that's a little bit more sustainable and that will lead me closer to to work, the, the, the field that I want to be working in. And that was when I thought maybe Germany would be an interesting opportunity. So I looked around for a few jobs. I applied for, for jobs in different cities. And at the time, this was just for, for paralegal roles. 
or for paralegal adjacent roles, I'll say, trying to take advantage of the fact that I could speak, at least in theory, quite good German, and that I had this uh, this year abroad in Germany that I could use to, to market myself as somebody who had at least knew in theory how the German system worked. And I was lucky enough to get a job as a paralegal in Frankfurt, as I said before, at uh, Cleary Gottlieb. And I thought that sounded like a that sounds like a great opportunity because it was a, it was a mixed team of, of Germans and Americans, so it sounded quite international. The partner of that team um, was uh, was an American lawyer, a New York trained lawyer, and so I thought this sounds like the the perfect opportunity to to get my break into international arbitration. Um, so I took the job. I moved over. This was the beginning of 2014, back in the good old days of the EU, where you could really just drop everything and uh, move to another country and start working without having to worry about visas and work permits and so on. And I found I found a flat. I started working there. And um, originally, it was really just a plan to go out there, get some work experience, continue applying for training contracts. But I ended up enjoying it so much there. The work was good. I made some some really good friends. And it became clear that maybe it would be possible even to start to build an actual career as a lawyer in Germany, even as a, as a, as a foreign educated lawyer. So I stayed and I tried my best to take the opportunities as they came up. And so far, it's been working out quite well. That's really interesting, Duncan. And it actually, it's it struck me when you were talking, it's a really brave move to have kind of be in London, be kind of experiencing what the legal culture's like there and thinking, actually, I'm not sure this is going to work for me. I'm going to try something completely different. And I was sort of thinking now on reflection, you've been living and working in Germany for quite a while, haven't you? About more Over than five years. years, isn't it? Well, About yeah, eight years. Um, yeah, almost almost nine. And uh, in the meantime, yeah, so... I became a, a German citizen last year um, because of Brexit. Oh, wow. I thought it would be a, a good um, a good opportunity to um, become a dual citizen of the UK and Germany. Yeah. And and the Germans gave me a passport. So Oh, that's, that's brilliant uh... news. Well, yeah, I just thought sort of nine years on, now you've established a career and a life in Germany in, t- in terms of work I wondered what would it have been useful to know as a student about kind of pursuing a career a legal career abroad so the first thing that I've learned taking the route that I have is that there's no one way to have a legal career like there's no it's not a linear path because at university it's very I think we have quite a myopic view of the legal profession I mean we don't really know what it's like to work as a lawyer um, we just know that for some reason we want to be one. And the, the, a lot of law firms or um, barristers chambers or other organizations, they come to campus. You have, I remember going to the law fair, talking to a lot of solicitors there, trainees, associates, partners, and um, the whole, um, the, the normal firm propaganda that you hear about, okay, you can, um, we do corporate law, we do everything, we're going to pay you this much money, it's very international, it's very, very glamorous. Um, but the route that they really, they drive you down is, okay, you do a vacation scheme with us. And then if you're good enough, you get a training contract with us. And then if you're good enough, then maybe we'll take you on as an associate. And then you just, you know, work there until you burn out or become partner or decide to go and do something else. But as I moved over to Germany, like I said, I was thinking like, okay, well, I mean, how do I become a lawyer? Is there any different way that I can, that I can do that? And I actually ended up originally qualifying as a lawyer by doing the New York bar. 
because that's and it was funnily enough when I was when I was doing that I met a lot of people including from Exeter who did the same thing because it's a very established third state route to qualify as a lawyer you get a piece of paper that says you're a lawyer somewhere and on that basis you can you can work as a lawyer you can practice as a lawyer a law firm can hire you as a, as a as a qualified lawyer and you can hold yourself out as as a, as a qualified practicing lawyer in one jurisdiction and so that's what I, I suppose, to go back to your question, that's what I wish that I had known at university, that there's not one way to, to build a career. You, you don't have to do this linear path of, of getting a training contract. I mean, ultimately, what really matters is that you have, you have the right attitude, you know what you're getting yourself in for, and you have the right skill set to, uh, say, if you're working at a law firm, I would say the work of a, of a solicitor demands a particular set of skills that you do not necessarily get through a particular qualification route. Um, and nowadays, I think it's become a lot easier to qualify. Well, not a lot easier, but it's become uh, there are many more accepted ways to qualify as a solicitor in the UK. You can do what um, you can do the training contract route, of course, you can do what I did, which was to do the New York bar and then to do the QLTS to qualify as a solicitor. Or nowadays, of course, it's all been replaced by the SQE. But I think the, mm -hmm. the good thing with the SQE is that it seems that there's a lot more you can do by yourself that you couldn't do where it was limited to training contracts, which you had to do at a single organization and work there for a predetermined period of time to fulfill all of these regulatory requirements. And then, of course, there's a legal executive route, which is becoming more and more accepted uh, as well as the equivalent means route. So I, I, I know a couple of people who have been working as a, a paralegal or in some kind of legal support role um, for a number of years and um, have been able to build up enough experience to qualify as a solicitor that way. And once you enter practice, I mean, honestly, nobody really cares how you qualified. They care that you're qualified. They they yeah. care that you have a particular skill set, that you have knowledge of a particular legal area. But nowadays, when I'm advising clients, you know, nobody is saying, oh, but we don't think you can do a good job because you didn't do a training contract. Like nobody, nobody really minds. Um, and that's something that I wish I had known earlier on. Yeah, I think that will be very reassuring to our students listening to that, you know, that you don't have to have that training contract lined up for when you graduate. What you've sort of explained your journey there, Duncan, shows that, you know, you, you can go on to qualify, even if it's not straight from, from graduating. So yeah. I think that's really reassuring. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. I mean, I didn't qualify as a lawyer until I was 27. I think there's also, yeah. you get um, a lot of people think, because of course, I mean, um, many, many students do get a training contract say in the second year of university and they, you, you look left and right at your peers and it seems like, oh, so many people have vacation schemes, so many people have training contracts and I'm, I don't have anything. And then you graduate, you still don't have anything. You're applying year on year and you still don't have anything. But as, as long as you're using that time productively and you just keep on persisting, I mean, ultimately something will work out. So I think persistence really is key and, it, and it's definitely not the case that if you graduate without a training contract or without that uh, a similar role lined up, it's not the end of the world because it, there's so much pressure and it's just getting, it seems the case that you have to have your life sorted out at a younger and younger age. Um, and your second year of university, you're 19 years old and, it does, and it's no comment on anything if you can't uh, can't find a training contract when you're 19 years old. I mean, I think many, in my experience, many people don't start a training contract or start working as a lawyer until they're quite a lot older. Yeah, I think it's, I read something on the Law Society a while back, actually, and they reported the average age of qualification in the UK is 29 and a half. 
so that sort of supports what you're saying there Duncan doesn't it that people do go off and do other things and that might be because they don't want to be qualified immediately it might be that the opportunities are not there uh, and because you also mentioned when you were talking I noticed about knowing what the skills are that are needed to be a solicitor I picked up that's obviously something that's quite important in in the recruitment process regardless of, of where you're based and sort of moving on from that I wanted to ask you mentioned you I know you moved over to Germany pre-Brexit and you mentioned that that was quite a smooth transition because obviously you didn't have to go through the whole visa thing do you have any knowledge of what that would be like now now things um, have changed within your firm, for example. Well, in, in Germany, the first step to getting a... Well, I mean, I, I have no personal experience of this, but I've, I mean, Germany is happily enough quite an international legal centre, or at least it's becoming one. And there's many other kind of foreign qualified lawyers who are working here in various fields. And so I know the, the stress and the pain of having to go through that entire process secondhand and the first step is to get some kind of job offer, whether that's an internship, whether that's uh, uh, an offer for a permanent position. Um, and then armed with that, that you go to the there's a authority in, in each city that you can go to that deals with work permits, that deals with that deal with things like that. And you apply there for a work permit using your your employment contract or your offer of employment. Um, but it, it depends on it depends on what country you come from because the the requirements are a little bit different. I think that there's, a, there's a, a several countries you can come directly to Germany and you can go directly to the authority and you can apply. But if you're the, a citizen of many other countries, then you have to go to the German embassy in your uh, home city or well not in the home city, mm-hmm. but I think a German embassy anywhere. Um, and apply for a visa to come to Germany first. And then when you have the visa, then you can go come to Germany and then you can go to the, the authority and then you can apply for a work permit. So administratively, it's a, it's a bit of a headache, like I think it is in many other countries, yeah. but it definitely helps if you have if you have an offer of employment already. And I uh, guess the firm will offer support with that, won't they, if there's an offer in place there? Uh, yes, of course, like the firm will offer support, but I think it's different from in the UK where firms can sponsor you in Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's not the case. Like, of course, the firms will will support you and will try to help you to communicate with the authorities and so on. But it's, it doesn't, unfortunately, there's no kind of formal process by which a firm can, can sponsor you beyond, of course, giving you a, an offer of employment. Yeah, so it's more support with the process as opposed to sort of financial sponsorship yeah yeah but but good to know that that because processes themselves they can be sort of very complex and overwhelming can't they so good to know that 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 support is in place to guide to guide people through that and there's a variety of routes as well i think there's like the eu blue card scheme for instance which is available like i mean you can also it's not just for professions like uh, it or engineering or medicine Uh, lawyers do fall under the the eu blue card scheme because Mm. as, as professionals but there, I think there's you have to be offered a certain salary in order to qualify for that. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I mean, there's a number of routes to gain residence in, in Germany, basically, if you have a if you have a job offer. That's brilliant. That's really reassuring to hear. This was the Career Zone podcast, brought to you by the University of Exeter Career Zone. Check out iTunes and Spotify to keep up with all of our regular releases. And if you'd like us to cover something else in another episode, just send us a message. Hashtag Career Zone Podcast 
at UOE Careers on Twitter or at UOE Career Zone or at UOE Cornwall Career Zone on Instagram and we'll follow up in one of the next episodes.